the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, March 17th, 2021. As we put it in the American Patriots Almanac, St. Patrick, a 5th century missionary born in Roman Britain, became the patron saint of Ireland by spreading Christianity throughout the Emerald Isle. For centuries, the Irish have set aside a day to remember him. But the version of St. Patrick's Day that Americans know, which celebrates all things Irish with parades, parties, and putting on the green, was invented chiefly in this country. And no wonder. Some 40 million Americans claim Irish ancestry, more than eight times as many people as the population of Ireland itself. Irish settlers, many of them indentured servants, brought the custom of remembering St. Patrick to the American colonies. Boston held its first observance in 1737. In New York City, Irish soldiers in the British Army held a Parade on St. Patrick's Day, 1762. During the Revolutionary War, George Washington allowed his troops camped at Morristown, New Jersey, many of whom were of Irish descent, to have a holiday on March 17, 1780. In the 19th century, as millions more Irish immigrants arrived, including those fleeing the Great Potato, potato Famine, St. Patrick's Day observances became more widespread. Over time, the day became less a remembrance of the saint himself and more a way to remember Irish heritage, often with flair, as in Chicago, where the city dyes the river green. From Davy Crockett to Bing Crosby, Americans with Irish roots have shaped our history and culture. By some estimates, one-third to one-half of American troops in the Revolutionary War were of Irish descent, as were nine of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. As many as 19 presidents, including Andrew Jackson, John Kennedy, and Ronald Reagan, have Irish ancestry. If the United States is the world's melting pot, the broth has a wee bit of the taste of Irish stew in it. Speaking of celebrating things American and in America, John Hinderocker writes, My family likes to go to South Dakota for the 4th of July because that state's fireworks laws are, to put it mildly, liberal. In my hometown, there is a fireworks emporium a warehouse, essentially, where you push a shopping cart between the aisles, and for $150 or so, you can buy a reloadable mortar and a lot of shells that burst overhead, so you can put on a display more or less like what a town might do. In South Dakota, as elsewhere, fireworks are a symbol of both freedom and patriotism, which is why liberals hate them. Fox News reports that the Biden administration is trying to block any fireworks display at Mount Rushmore next July 4th. Quote, the National Park Service denied a request from South Dakota for fireworks over Mount Rushmore on the 4th of July this year after former President Trump's celebration at the park last Independence Day. The National Park Service Regional Director Herbert Frost wrote to South Dakota. South Dakota's tourism office, quote, potential risks to the park itself and to the health and safety of employees and visitors associated with the fireworks demonstration continue to be a concern and are still being evaluated as a result of the 2020 event, close quote. 
In addition, the park's many tribal partners expressed opposition to the fireworks at the memorial. First, there was nothing about last year's fireworks display that justifies the Park Service's claims. They are just making that part up. Second, the idea that the health and safety of employees and visitors are somehow endangered by fireworks of the sort the the state would put on is ridiculous. Yes, you can blow off a finger with a firework, probably an illegal one if you are unusually careless, but that isn't what this state has in mind. The reference to the park's many tribal partners is more revealing. The Biden administration hates displays of patriotism and wants to suppress them. (coughs) But most Native Americans are, in fact, very patriotic. It's a little-known fact in some circles, but Indians have historically had above-average rates of military service, and powwows generally include a prominent display of the American flag. But the politicized leaders of the Indian community are another story. They are the ones to whom the Biden administration turns to support. Will Independence Day go by without a celebration at Mount Rushmore? Not if South Dakota's leaders, actual leaders, as opposed to the slow Joe variety, can help it. South Dakota Governor Christy Noem has promised to fight back. Ian Fury, Noem's spokesperson, vowed to the Hill newspaper that the governor is, quote, going to do everything in her ability to ensure that we can celebrate America's birthday with fireworks at Mount Rushmore, close quote. My guess is that the people of South Dakota will prevail. But this small conflict provides a window into the anti-Americanism of the radical leftists who run what is laughingly referred to as the Biden administration. Now, keep in mind, it was only a week ago that Joe Biden was telling Americans what they could and could not do and if they could do it on the 4th of July this year. He said, quote, if we do all this, talking about mediation measures, if we do our part, if we do this together, by the July 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your bar- backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. There's a good chance. It doesn't mean large events, he continued, with lots of people, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. Close quote. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Uncle Joe. Fear the virus enough and the government may give you permission to celebrate the founding of our country, which was based on not taking paternalistic lectures from a government. Used to be there was a war on Christmas. It's beginning to look like there's a war against or on Independence Day. Why wouldn't there be? Institutions from the New York Times to government-administered Smithsonian institutes have taken the past two years to denigrate and degrade our founding, our Declaration of Independence as a fraud. What are they afraid of? The truth? Self-evident truths, to be exact? Proud and unafraid Americans who think there's something to celebrate on the 4th of July? You've heard me worry about our 4th of July celebration coming up in five years, in 2026, celebrating the 250th anniversary of America. Perhaps it's already starting. I've been worried about the decayed and degraded state of our patriotism that is fast-running Further toward entropy is in the second law of thermodynamics. Maybe it's the first law of the American left. I think of what Saul Alinsky wrote in the opening of his Rules for Radicals, quote, What follows is for those who want to change the world from what it is to what they believe it should be. The Prince was written by Machiavelli for the haves and how to hold power. Rules for Radicals is written for the have-nots on how to take it away, close quote. Of course, this was a precursion of sorts that turned out to be wrong. 
The have-nots are today quite different from what Alinsky imagined back in the early 1970s. Today, the haves are all on the left. They run our schools, our universities, most of our foundations, our media, our entertainment, our corporations, and our professional athletics. Increasingly, too, the military, or at least its leadership. Who are the have-nots? Still, of course, those in the lower socioeconomic classes, of course, and there will always be some of that. But the more one researches and studies, the more one realizes poverty is not a permanent condition for the individuals or families in those strata, not in America. There are rules for success in America that are even more iron-bound and soundly researched than there are rules for radicals. If you follow them, you can come here to the last best hope of Earth, as Lincoln called it, or the last stand on Earth, as Ronald Reagan did. You can come here and become a captain of industry, a senator, a congressman, so many things. The list is exhaustive. If I may quote from the Brookings Institution, a liberal left think tank, which does sound sound social research on the domestic front, let politicians, school teachers, and administrators, community leaders, ministers, and parents drill into children the message that in a free society, they enter adulthood with three major responsibility. Finish high school, get a full-time job, and wait until age 21 to get married and have children. Research shows that of American adults who follow these three simple rules, only 2% are in poverty, and nearly 75% have joined the middle class. But there's nothing in Alinsky's tract on any of that. Nothing. Because he wanted social upheaval, not work, not effort, not rules for living. For instance, Rule 3 in Alinsky's book, quote, whenever possible, go outside the expertise of the enemy. Look for ways to increase insecurity, anxiety, and uncertainty. I've called this permanent revolution. I've called this angst and anxiety. I've called it the crisis industrial complex. The constant convulsion of our calm. Everything is an emergency. Everything is as bad as it can be. We're always on the ever-present eve of destruction. Now look at Rule 6, 7, and 8. Quote, a good tactic is one your people enjoy. They'll keep doing it without urging and come back to do more. They're doing their thing and will get even to the point where they suggest better ones. A tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. Don't become old news. Keep the pressure on. Never let up. Who's that sound like to you today? I give you the modern-day crisis industrial complex, aided and abetted, by looting and rioting in the name of race and an alternation between that being the crisis or the coronavirus. And when the virus recedes, give it a break and then bring it back, perhaps with an ardent need and push for mask edicts, even when the vaccine becomes ubiquitous, so that more panic and fear can be imbued and infused in and throughout the society so that we can be seen as a sick country in more ways than one. Keep the pressure on. Never let up. Constitutional crisis, impeachments, pandemics, racist institutions, systemic racism, and law enforcement. Now go back to Rule 9. The threat, Holinsky says, is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. Worth repeating. The threat is usually more terrifying than the problem itself. Yeah, when you look at the stats on police brutality or the racism of, say, Ulysses S. Grant and Abraham Lincoln, or a virus that 99.9% will recover from if they get it, 
Pretty soon you see Rule 9 in its full bloom, the threat more dangerous than the thing itself. A good tactic is one your people enjoy. They'll keep doing it without urging and come back to do more. They're doing their thing and will even suggest better ones. A tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. Don't become old news. Keep the pressure on. Never let up. Thus speaketh Alinsky. And America listeth. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. So much to talk about. Um, if Joe Biden, President Biden, uh, is trying to um, dissuade the notion, is trying to dismiss the notion that his words on the campaign trail provided a magnet for part of the border crisis or much of the border crisis that we are now facing he may want to get in touch with um, his press secretary, Jen Psaki. I'm not sure she talks to him, actually. Last week, she said the White House was not considering any changes to and did not advocate any changes to the filibuster cloture policies of the United States Senate. Last night, Joe Biden said he does support changes to the filibuster cloture rules in the Senate such that filibusters should be done in person as opposed to the way they've been changed to just do it by uh, by notification. If you don't think this was a change, it was. And even uh, Senator Blumenthal, Democratic Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut, said this was a quote unquote major shift by the Biden administration, one he supported. That's that's point one. Point two with Jen Psaki and Joe Biden is if, as he told George Stephanopoulos uh, in the interview that aired last night, that he doesn't think he's done anything or said anything to create uh, a, a, a draw, a pull, a magnet for illegal immigrants, then again, Maybe Jen Psaki needs to watch those interviews or the two of them need to talk because today she said our policy, I'm quoting exactly, our policy continues to be we're not going to send a 10-year-old back. Now, of course, she also meant a 12 and 15-year-old as well as an 8 or 9-year-old. But our policy continues to be we're not going to send a child back. Is that a magnet? Is that a pull? Is that a signal to be interpreted by coyotes and smugglers to bring children, sell children, to abuse children? Meanwhile, something we haven't talked in a, in a while about, the trial of George Floyd, which was supposed to have started in earnest by now, hasn't. Turns out exactly what people like Scott Johnson, who lives in Minneapolis, have been saying is bearing out to be true. It's very hard to get an impartial jury there. How do you get an impartial jury in Minneapolis when the news shows that the city settled a multi-million dollar wrongful death claim against George Floyd's family, 
in the tune of over $20 million. How do you do so when there is a George Floyd Square, an autonomous zone, smack dab in the middle of Minneapolis at the corner of 38th Street and Chicago Avenue, to be precise, for those people that know Minneapolis. Are you aware that two people have been killed in this autonomous zone since it's been erected? Not exactly a tribute to peace and life. Multiple shots fired. 30 shots rang out. I'm looking at different uh, police blotters published by the Star Tribune about just one night. 30 shots hit cars and windows, six garages hit by gunfire. Neighbors call 911 as multiple shots ring out. Second 911 call provides a description of a shooter who remains in the area, appearing to wait for some target. There's a third 911 call in one night, reporting of a shooter. Um, it's a dangerous city. 30 shots, 9.15 p.m. from inside the zone. One police squad car arrives and is turned away. Is turned away. Police cars are turned away from the George Floyd Autonomous Zone in Minneapolis. There's a lot of violence going on in this autonomous zone, thinking they can do better than the police. They don't want the police there. They want violence. They want violence. Other items in the news, John Kerry former Secretary of State, former candidate for president, current climate climate czar for the Biden administration, is photographed in an airplane from Boston to Washington, D.C. on American Airlines without a mask. And no, he's not drinking anything, and no, he's not eating anything. We normally wouldn't be bullies about such things, except for the fact, as someone tweeted, this is a world in which my six-year-old was reprimanded for having his mask below his nose for 30 seconds on an airplane, and where babies have been removed from airplanes when they haven't been masked. That's the world we live in. If you're John Kerry, it's okay. If you're a baby or a child, it's not. Reminds me much of when John Kerry is not, in fact, flying commercial. What was it he said when he was caught? flying to Iceland on his private plane, his family's private plane, he said this, it's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win the climate battle. I negotiated the Paris Accords for the United States. I've been involved with this fight for years. I negotiated with Chinese President Xi to bring President Xi to the table so we could get Paris. And I believe the time it takes me to get somewhere, I can't just sail across the ocean. I have to fly, meet with people, and get things done. One rule for John Kerry, another rule for the rest of us, because he is doing such good. Okay. Okay. This is the world in which we live. A lot more coming up. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. John Dombrowski has a couple puppies, but their names haven't made pop rock music just yet. He is, however, the president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, 
and he gives us a culture and economy update every day at this time. His website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. He also has his own show on this network, 7 a.m. Saturday mornings, The Word on Wealth. Happy Wednesday, J.D. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, Did you know Jet was Paul McCartney's dog? Uh, no. Now you do. Now I do, yes. What are the names of your dogs? Ralphie and Sophie. Where does that come from? Well, I think Ralphie was, uh, wasn't there a famous Christmas uh, story about Ralphie? There was that, and there was, of course, the Honeymooners. The Honeymooners, that's right. And Sophie? Ralph Ralph Cramden. Yep. Well, Sophia, I guess, is a real name, so there's a famous, uh, I guess, Italian actress named Sophia. One or two. Yeah, one or two I can think of. Yeah. Let's not... uh, Let's not pursue that. What's your baby's name? Your, uh, your uh, Dagny. Dog? Dagny, named after Dagny Taggart in the uh, in the uh, in the novel Atlas Shrugged. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, just because she's kind of a libertarian. I mean, she follows some rules, but she's you know, she kind of has her own ideas about things. Yeah, I think they all do. Yeah, they all kind of do, and we all kind of learn from them. They're wonderful creatures, aren't they? It's a, it's really you step back and think about it. It's it's unremarked upon, but it's this totally different species that we actually can communicate with. It's very interesting, isn't it? And and they can communicate with us. Yeah, yeah. Even though we speak a different language. I know, I know. You always are good at translating the language of uh, finance and money. And uh, one of the reasons I like you so much is you make uh, seemingly hard things uh, understandable. So. Okay. The the news all week has been leading up to basically what Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, was going to say today. Yeah. And uh, the headline is Feds hold steady on interest rates and bond purchases. Tell us what that means for the markets. What's that mean to individuals? Well, if you didn't get to hear the, the uh, Fed, uh, Fed Powell speak today, um, he basically was, again, reiterating uh, – similar uh, policy that they've had for quite some time now. They're trying to uh, sustain, create a sustainable 2-plus two, two percent inflation rate, which at this point they're saying has not happened yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, as you and I talked about over time, mm-hmm. we probably feel that inflation is higher than 2% mm-hmm. when we look at our pocketbooks and how much we spend. But uh, in the eyes of the, of the Fed and the FOMC, they're basically saying uh, no, we have not reached a sustained 2% inflation rate yet. And because of that, they're saying they're not going to uh, change their monetary policy right now of, of purchasing bonds, and they're not going to raise interest rates. And this, I, I think investors maybe on Wall Street think that this is, um, I don't know, They, I think they have a, a little bit of a discrepancy with, with what they feel out there potentially is inflation, uh, and what the Fed is is talking about, but he was very calm in his uh, speech today, and uh, was very direct, and uh, basically more of the same with the Fed. Interest rates basically at zero, and um, they're going to continue with the free monetary policy that they have. Now, if you are uh, an individual observing this sort of thing, and you know not heavily invested on a on the kind of basis where you you look at the markets every day which I know you advise against but you know you have your retirement accounts etc what does this what does this say to the average american citizen what well, does this I mean? think what it said to the average american is is that there's still going to be some potential um upside to the market and we did see today the dow jones industrial average yep. closed above 33,000 for mm-hmm. the first time so again another 
uh, record. We've seen quite a few of these records leading up to this speech. Uh, tech has had some challenges because, you know, a lot of the tech companies, these companies uh, are leveraged. They're, they're financing their growth. And with financing anything comes expense. So when interest rates rise, it potentially is an expense to these companies. And so we see, uh, you know, uh, them take a hit when the, when the interest rates went up over the past couple of weeks. However, we've seen them bounce back nicely. Uh, still a little bit of hiccups here and there. But overall, I think they've responded well to what the news was. And we saw the markets turn around and all three of the major indexes were up again today. Good good analysis, John. Yeah. So Ralphie is named after the Peter Billingsley character in that movie from the 80s? Uh, I think he's pretty much named. You hit it on the head after the Honeymooners, Ralph Grant. Honey, honeymooners, not the Christmas yeah. story. No, no. Okay. But but Sophia, I don't know. I, I named her Sophia Marie. That's her. her it's, a, it's a beautiful name. Sophia Marie. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's I, I beautiful. He's wonderful. Blow All right, out. J.D. Yes, Securities and Advisory Services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of the recipient and investment advisor, Grant Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. One of these days, I really don't even have to read that, which is amazing, but uh, <laughs> embedded in my brain. Do you not have to read it? No, no. <laughs> do you Do you go to bed at night just, just saying those things, muttering that along the way? I'm, I bet that's what puts me to sleep. We're going to have to talk to Mrs. John Dombrowski about this. All right. Sounds good. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960 is the number. If you'd like to uh, call in on anything that's on your mind, let's go to uh, Rob in Mesa. Hi, Rob. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Very good. Thanks for asking and very blessed. Uh, my dog's name's Faith, so that I can be assured of walking with Faith. Every oh, day. I love it. I love it. Is it a girl or a guy? I guess it's a girl. A girl dog. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. What kind of dog? Uh, she's a lab mix, rescue type oh, dog. Labs are great dogs. That's what my, really that's what my producer... What kind she is. My, my producer, Bill, has a lab. They're beautiful. They're yeah, they're, I had one growing up. I had a golden lab growing up. Maggie. Maggie. Yeah, she was great. Hey. Yeah. Hey, a while ago, you guys, you guys had a guest on that was talking about push pull on this immigration issue, and one of the pull issues is that hasn't been discussed a whole lot is the chain migration. These people are willing to send their kids across the border in the hopes that they will be naturalized, so that they can then be pulled on chain migration. Correct. And Donald Trump tried to end it. Uh, Congress did not go full on with it, didn't go along with it. And basically, for those that don't know, uh, it's 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 an easing of allowing immigrants uh, in the United States to sponsor other family members, uh, parents, children, siblings uh, to come in. And um, and and look, I, I, I think. You know, I, it's hard to guess how this sort of thing is going to shake out. You Help me out on this, Rob. It's interesting to me that while the administration is bungling the border really badly, everyone knows it. I think they know it. I think they know it. It's not as if they think things are good, right? And, they have to. Right. They have to know it. 
It is interesting to me that the media, which has been fairly soft on the administration, has done a pretty good job on keeping this story alive or at least reporting on it. I've I've kind of surfed the channels and it seems to be something the media is not willing to let up on just yet. When that day will come, I don't know. Do you agree with that, by the way? Yes, I do. But I also think that they want to keep this issue going until it gets so bad that they force Congress to make large immigration changes. So I think that's a potential. And the other, I, I think that is a potential. I'll tell you why I think what I'm about to say might be a, a more likely potential. Congress has had a uniquely hard time of coming together on immigration. It's just been a long time since Congress has been able to have any kind of comprehensive or non-comprehensive, for that matter, immigration legislation. It's just seemingly so divisive or so hard to get majorities on. Here's what I'm guessing. Here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing that like every other crisis we have, some manufactured, some real, the media is just going to give up and move on and the story will seem to go away. You know, we bombed Syria a couple weeks ago. How long did that stay in the news? If it, if if an hour, I'd be surprised. I'm surprised this one has kept up for so long. And by so long, I mean really about, what, a week to 10 days. I'm going to guess that – I'm just going to guess the media is going to give up on it. One of the interesting things – I didn't say it and I meant to – uh, in my uh, in my earlier segment um, was that this administration has done something interesting that if the, the that if any other administration by that I mean Republican administration had done it would have been a called a war on the media they've banned the media from doing ride-alongs they've banned the media from doing ride ride-alongs with border enforcement and from investigating and going inside. Uh, any of these uh, detention facilities. I find that incredibly interesting, and I'm I'm surprised the media is so silent on this. Jen Psaki got one question on it. She turned it over. She said, you have to ask people at Homeland Security about this. But I will tell you that between that policy, which came down yesterday, banning the media from doing ride-alongs, and I've done ride-alongs, whether I'm media or not, I don't know. Quasi, I suppose. I've done them. Uh, but now it's not allowed. Now it's not allowed. The media sometimes gets angry when they're banned from covering a story. But that may keep the story alive a little longer than the media otherwise was planning on it. My guess was they were going to just pick up and move on to something else like violence against Asians in America or something. I want to get to that point in a minute, too. Um Chain migration, immigration, you know, it would take it would take a good political leader to stand up and do an honest conversation with the American people on immigration policy in this country. Um, I, I, I guess I would craft it this way. I would say there's a reason people are trying to get into this country and there's a reason they're trying to get into this country from second and third world nations, as we used to call them. Some people come here wanting to do harm, no question. 
we uh, we nabbed four uh, potential terrorists. Uh, just it was reported this morning. Some people want to come here to benefit themselves economically. Some people want to come here because they've heard tale of the American dream. Some people want to come here because of uh, humanitarian uh, problems, because they, they truly do uh, seek asylum uh, from, from, from countries that, you know, will, would subject them to tyranny and torture. Well, and the percentage of those that are, have had, had general asylum claims uh, legitimized in the court have been the, the percentage has been very low. That's correct. That's correct. It turns out it's mostly for economic reasons. Turns out most of it is for economic reasons, which I do not blame immigrants or illegal immigrants for wanting to come here and do. Not at all. I blame I actually have more blame for public officials in this country who are who try to run down this country <laughs> to our children here telling them this is not the great place that people in other countries think it is. I, I actually have more I'll contempt. I'll tell you who I blame. I blame people that won't enforce laws. That well, so that's the, the second point that I think I think needs a, a, a serious political leader to take on. I was building towards that. You're right to get me there, Rob. The second point is if we want to remain a country that can welcome people from other countries, and we do between 900,000 and a million a year, if we want to maintain that ability – this simply has to stop, and we have to have a secure border. A secure border means a secure America, which means secure Americans. Until Americans feel secure, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep going on the way we're going on. And I just think some statesman needs to stand up and talk about it honestly and quit worrying about the illegal immigration lobby in this country. I don't think they're that respected. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Dana's in Chandler. Hi, Dana. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well. How are you? How's Charlie? She's awesome. Good. Um, I, I would give you all the names of my dogs, but it would take way too long. How to many are there? Them. How many are there? Um, well, at the moment, there's nine, but one is only here temporarily. Okay. So he's, he's not staying permanently i have a feeling um, that's, there are memes about this but i have a feeling it's a little slice of what heaven looks like nine little dogs running around oh boy uh, not when you have three of them in season and a bunch of boys that that want to get the job done no it's not heaven let me tell you okay all right okay <laughs> all right yeah all right. so the reason why i'm calling is i'm hoping that you and your listeners can talk me down off the ledge that i'm on because I learned something interesting yesterday, picking up my daughter at school. And this is this week is the first week that they've been back in person in a year. And when I went to pick up my daughter, one of the teachers was outside with her classroom feeding her infant. And when I inquired about if this is a normal thing, my daughter said, oh, yeah, the teacher has her baby in class all day. Um, this is my daughter's geometry teacher. And she struggles in math, and I made this very apparent to the school when we actually enrolled in the school um, that math is, is a problem. And so I don't think this is the best scenario for my student. Um, and I understand the school's perspective on, you know, it's good for the teacher, it's good for the baby, it's retaining teachers. But my focus is my student. 
And and I don't think it's good for any student for their teacher to have their own baby in the classroom while they're trying to teach. And we've talked about this on your show, about teachers complaining that they're not taken seriously, they're not looked at as professionals, people complain that they're, you know, glorified babysitters. The optics of this are really bad. And when I confronted the school about it, and this is a charter school, um, their comment to me was, well, we've been doing it for 21 years and you're the first one to complain. So, of course, the problem is not that the teacher brings a baby to school. The problem is the parent that doesn't like it. The, the school was closed for COVID until recently? Until Monday, yes. And did they've the school online. give you or parents any kind of relief for the children you may have and babysitting services for them? Oh, no, of course not. Then that's my answer. I can't talk but you I'm off a, this ledge, I'm Dana, because I agree with you. I would be on that ledge with you. I am afraid I, ha- I cannot talk you off this ledge. I would be outraged over this. Well, then at least I know. I have I'm no problem with an occasional. That... I have an, no problem with an occasional situation where there's an emergency. Oh, yeah. I have no problem. With Definitely that. none. Yeah, me. Yeah, me as too. a regular everyday practice. These schools increasingly tell me that they're about teachers and not children. That's what these that's what this tells me. Yeah. I'm with you. Not my kid. I I don't care about my kid, that's Uh, for sure. No, I get it. Bless you, Dana. Stay on it.